Coming up, we're going to be talking about who we feel like are the best Power Rangers in the Power Rangers franchise. I'm Rhino. I'm Ken. And we are the podcast Rangers. Rangers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Rhino, joined as always by the other host, the co-host with the least, Ken. The host, oh, I was going (laughs) to say them. (laughs) It's like you knew. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah, so uh, we thought we would uh, do it. I realized we hadn't talked about like who we feel like are the best Power Rangers of like all of Power Rangers history. I just hit my microphone. I apologize if anyone heard it, but... um, I just feel like we've, you know, my mind's drawn a lot. We had the Legacy War garbage, and we have, uh, like, the Boom Studios comics, amazing. And, you know, we had the Shattered Grid, and so there's a lot of, like, returnees that have had some storylines and this and that. And I think about what are those Power Rangers through history now now that Hasbro owns it and stuff that we are yearning for, like, the action figure of, the the stuff to go with them, the iconography, because they're so amazing. Because we have not had our thirst for these ranges satisfied. I don't know what that voice was that I just wanted to do. But, uh, sipping some marmalade. <laughs> oh, talk, some rich about, marmalade. You got that molasses. Uh, well, I, it, we'd be remiss not to just kick right into this, uh, this conversation talking about what I feel like is actually the defining ranger. Um, what is probably for me the best ranger in this Power Rangers franchise. Robo Knight. No, I am not talking about Jason David Frank. We are talking about <laughs> Jen Scotts, played by Aaron Cahill, the pink Power Rangers Time Force Ranger. Okay, why do we feel like she's the absolute best? Because I'm hoping you agree with me on this, right? Um, <gasps> you she's hesitated. on Rhinos. Uh, he has, he loves Time Force. No, so we both made lists, uh, and Jen was on mine. Um, a what I feel is if and if I'm wrong, correct me, but the first female ranger like to lead the team, yeah. even no, if they don't say it right. So that is the biggest thing. And even if at the time where I was just like, well, I'm a boy, I don't care. I'm I don't know 12. why. You, I don't know why you say if they don't say it, but it's pretty clear that she is the leader of the team in the show. Well, I mean, like, I feel like it's like one of those de facto things. Like, it's like, well, first in command is dead. Second in command, I guess you're well second in command like well i don't see it as second in command because i don't they weren't power rangers they were mm. they were in time force there was only one power ranger i think and he died and then so they were like well we'll take the other things they have that make them power rangers and she's like but i'm in charge i'm you know the head of this that's how i took it i mean that's fine i mean i well, you're probably right well, no, their morphers aren't aren't matched to their DNA until they put them on, and they put them on in the year two thousand one for the first time, I think. So, mm. I mean, like it's like I feel like it's just that iconic thing, though, as a first like female ranger. Um, and again, like I wonder if that's one of those things. Like I don't know how you felt at that time. Like I I imagine like a lot of like kids, like the demographic for Power Rangers at that point was probably young adolescent boys, right? 
largely. I mean, we're talking 2001, so it's still Fox Kids. You know, my thing, I, I was 16 years old at this point, so I'm still like kind of out of the demographic now. Um, but I have always liked Jen. It has been one of those things where now I look back on it even more and I understand even more it, it the things about her, like why I liked her so much, you know? Like it resonates more? Well, maybe? she's one of those characters where... Not that not that any of the Power Rangers are really ever perfect because, you know, a lot of the episodes are about them having some sort of like life lesson or something like that. Then it can it can then be applied to your own life, you know, and that's what kind of makes it that children's kind of TV show is that there's always this thing. I mean, all TV shows, in essence, are like that, you know, any sort of sitcom or anything. But um, it it's like. She is this person. She is a devoted person. Okay, so that's 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 a she is one of the like rangers throughout this show that sometimes you get very flat one dimensional rangers, which I would argue a lot of the Neo Saban era are, especially Megaforce. They're one dimensional. Mm. That's red. That's yellow. That's black. You know, there's there's nothing to them other than the color of the suit they represent. You know, with Jen, it's like. You know, right away, you can say she's devoted because she's, you know, who she is in the beginning of the series is not who she is in the end of the series. And that's not always the case for all Power Rangers. And like, and so what I love about that is like who she is when she, we first see her and Alex together. She's in love with this guy, but she's also dedicated to like her career and everything. And then, you know, he gets killed in the line of duty and she is vengeful and you know and she basically has this group of friends and recruits around her and she goes after the guy and she wants justice because she believes in justice like she's going to bring this person to justice but like also she's not she has to learn how to trust other people you know like she has to let her guard down she has to she has to let go of that some of that anger that that fuel that's driving her and she has to trust this guy who's out of time and out of place and looks exactly like the man she's loved but is literally like the opposite of him and so she's not perfect she deals with a lot of emotional issues and i love that about her but she Would also you... sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead I was just going to say, like, I, I, I oftentimes when I think of Jen, I think of the episode where she is, um, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. This might be the beginning of the Dawn of Destiny, or it might be like the episode where her and Wes infiltrate the like gym that's like turning people into cyclobots, but she's like in the park and she is basically punching this tree that has rope tied around it. And I think because she's out there alone and she's doing this, but she's having like flashbacks of what happened and she's talking to herself about what she's got to do. And then like Wes shows up and Wes is just so like, like a puppy, like a puppy just wagging his tail and wants to be like, Hey, what's up? And she's just like, uh, like she feels like she doesn't have space. for that. So this is, I also think about how time force ends and it's this big, or even the message throughout time forces was, you know, there was many messages going on with Eric and uh, about him, you know, being somebody that's literally the opposite of Wes, who has become this power ranger. He's had everything handed to him essentially. And Eric who struggled to do anything and everyone wants to take it away from him once he has it. And, you know, there's, there's that kind of thing going on with him. And, you know, in the end, Jen is so like, she keeps, it's hard for her to keep moving forward. Cause she keeps giving reverted back. Cause I think about that last scene when they've all been like, 
the they've been demorphed and their suits are all ripped up and she is like screaming at Rancic because she knows this is it. This is like the last moment they have. And she's like, no matter what I'm do, I'm going to make you pay for what you did. But the whole message about this is like the cycle of hate and how it just eats you away. And she has that moment where she realizes that and like kind of rises above it, you know? And, and it comes around full circle again in Wild Force, the crossover episode, which is great. So I think this is just one of those characters where, you know, stop bringing back Jason David Frank's Tommy. Give me Jen back. Like, mm-hmm. I want Aaron Cahill to come back and be the mentor of a new season and let her be like a, one of the Rangers in the in the team or something. The thing I was going to say before, and I think like you've you've just kind of like re solidified that like a lot of the characters on my list like there's some semblance of growth that i think resonates with specifically me but i and probably you too like because i think a lot of our list aligns pretty close um but i feel like the the characters that pop up on our lists of best rangers have these very distinct like events of growth like jen definitely grows from where she starts to kind of like this this thing that's like the seeded hatred and wanting revenge and then realizing the kind of errors and just being fueled by rage Mm -hmm. to where she ends up and and you see that like well and think about it too like it show it's this rage and this revenge like you talked about and then when the future shifts and like Alex is alive again, but he's kind of a jerk. And she's, you know, having to like reassess who mm-hmm. she was at the beginning of the season, you know, toward the end when she gives back the engagement ring. But she decides like, we've got to go back and we've got to do what's right and help the person who helped us. You know, it's a big moment, I think. Yeah. And I, and like to have that be reverberated into the Boom Studios comics and have that mm-hmm. recognized, mm-hmm. like, to have her be a character that comes back in such a prominent role for shattered grid. Like it's, she is the most prominent other team ranger that pops back quickly. Like Tommy gets stabbed. Right. And like the person who is there to help to try and stop it. Yeah. Is, is Jen like, which is, which is so fascinating because it's, it's very, it's like a um, it's a parallel to what happened to her. You know what I mean? She's racing to save this other, you know, essentially the one other, you know, power couple in power Rangers history. She's racing to save them. And she literally shows up in the moment she shows up with Alex. And that's right before Mm -hmm. they get struck down. You know, that's good. There's some, some sort of like dichotomy there. And, Mm. and like, there's, I feel like there's a lot there that I didn't realize when I was younger and was just like, kind of yeah. like, well, I mean, she's cool enough. And like, there's, there's scenes where she pops up in like the leather. And I was like a young adolescent boy. So I was like, that's fine. <laughs> um, and I was like, that's fine. That's um, fine. Uh, but like, she's a character that I feel like resonates with me now. Um, to the point where I hope like release of a, a, a Jen Scott's action figure for the legacy. Oh my God. For the love of God, please. Uh, Anyway. Well, I always think too, I I love the little moments too. Like it's not all about those big broad strokes, which is why I think time force is one of the, one of the definitely the best you'd put it in the top five best seasons of power Rangers, is because I think about the moments where, you know, like they start that job, that naked time, odd jobs, 
thing and she tries to be very like okay well let's go we've got to go do this but then like it's like wes and and he like breaks down this sort of like hard cold exterior that even the softest of them have especially with her though where they learn it it even when you are following the rules and you are you have a mission and it's like about this you still have to like you still have to feel you know you still have to be emotional and you still have to you know embrace the moment you live in and so i think it's one of those like it's great i, I don't know i put my money up it again and like i'd put a vote down between you know wes and jen versus tommy and kimberly any day and i'm not sure i'm not sure how that vote would go to be 100 percent honest with you who knows? Well, you have a Green Ranger tattoo, so I feel like I do know how you'd vote. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes, uh. Okay, Ken, give me one of yours. Give me one of yours, even though we've already talked about uh, this. Let's talk. So I'm going in reverse order. So like we started with my my kind of like last. Let's go to Billy. Billy oh. Cranston. Yeah. Uh, and we in the previous episode, we kind of like talked about kind of like are kind of low points of the Power Rangers franchise in general and kind of the disservice done to like how they did Billy dirty. Uh, we, yeah. um, Billy as a Ranger who very much when I was younger, I disliked Billy starting out. Uh, and this may be derived from the fact that like the neighbor kid who was the rich kid, uh, there were two Halloween costumes. The first year Power Rangers was out. There were two Halloween costumes you could get. It was a Blue Ranger and a Red Ranger. Neighbor kid, he got Red Ranger. I got Blue Ranger. And my mom gave me these like really antique gloves with some like doily things on the wrists so I could have full gloves. Uh, but I was Billy and I hated it. Um, what? I well think like my favorite ranger was like Zach. So I was like, I wanted to be Zach and they didn't make a Zach costume at that point. Um, so like, these are like those half masks, like the ones where like you had the plastic mask that would cut your skin open. If you like got like caught it the wrong way with the string, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So I had the Billy one of those. And then the neighbor kid who was rich had the red one. And he was like, well, I'm going to be red. You won't fight you. I'm going to be red. You're going to be blue. And I was like, okay. Uh, but I was Billy and I was upset because I didn't like Billy, um, but they didn't make a black one. So I was like, well, this is what I have. But as time progresses, progresses like Billy becomes one of the kind of best Rangers. It's geek to chic, bro. <laughs> is that what that's called? Yeah, that's uh, the, that's actually the expression that's used when they describe it. Actually, his... it's ori- it originates with Billy yeah. Cranston. I don't yes. know if you know yeah. this. It's um, it it's was called originated... the Cranston. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we do, everybody do the Cranston. Um, so on the floor, everybody do the Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the dinosaur. In it my head, does, it does, but it's different. <laughs> it's different. It's not the same. Uh, it involves overalls. And a whole bunch and of holding food. your head while you punch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, so I guess that's that's kind of the epitome. So, like, you and I have have kind of like gone through and watched um, the playthroughs, and like watch you play the uh, Super Nintendo game, right? Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You play Billy, um, and Billy, when he's unmorphed, is punching. He's holding the top of his head in overalls, punching, and it looks like his eyes are closed. So, like, it's just this like meek character. Well, it's kind of like garbage. But then. 
and that's that is how he originally starts. Like he's this very meek character, and it's it's kind of like these well, other characters the, in season the first episode. He's showing up to Jason's karate class. Yes, so like he wants to grow and develop and learn, which is like the connective tissue to Billy. Like he's he's always ever learning and always ever developing, and kind of like if we talked about Jen, like this kind of like growth thing. Billy grows and he becomes better, and like you see, um, David Yost, like he was already like they kind of like hit it a little bit, but he was always fit. But like you see way more how fit he gets as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, even when he's not like a ranger and he's just kind of like there in the command center. Like think about the movie when he, like I always think about the movie outfit requirements with the, was, was either no sleeves, no legs. Cause Aisha has sleeves, but no legs. <laughs> she has, she has short shorts on, but then all every other Ranger has no sleeves in that movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I always think like, but Billy is like jacked when he has no sleeves. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that movie was when I realized I was like, Oh, I think I love the blue Ranger helmet. Like there's just something oh, about the, the horns. movie version of the blue Ranger helmets. Great. It's something about, it's like what you just said, the horns. It's like they're extra prominent in that version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's also like that in that, that again gets into like this aesthetic thing. But the, the thing is like, I probably wouldn't have cared at that point. Like I would have been like, well, I still hate Billy because I was such a young kid, but also Billy's pretty good in that movie. Um, he's not the best, uh, but, uh, what? We'll get to that anyway. um, But I feel like there is this semblance of like growth throughout all of Billy's kind of character and his development. And I feel like maybe it has something to do with how long he's on the show where he's able to develop. Well, Um, well, think think about this. Okay, so like right away, like they go into this command center. They know like Billy was immediately the prodigy. He, He you know, we don't like to talk about it because it's super weird. But the rad bug, he essentially makes this thing, this car that's able to transport them there. And when they can't use their communicators, which, by the way, Billy also made Billy was able to make these things that. So sometimes that's the thing that bugs me about, like the 2017 movie, how it doesn't have the the communicators or I mean, maybe it would have eventually. I don't know. But the thing with the communicator is and some people being like, well, it's not relevant anymore. Everyone has cell phones. They didn't have cell phones in 1993. And I'm like. That's not what the communicators were. They yeah. were they were a direct communication. Like Zordon's not going to call you on your cell phone. Also, yes, the communicators could teleport you anywhere and it was like it essentially was a way to lock into wherever you were. It was a it was a it was a GPS, you know? And I always think Billy was a high school student that locked into this alien technology and built this thing that could literally star trek you from one place to another okay he built the rad bug all right he built the uh the he helped make the thing that was able to get jason back into rita's dark dimension to try and save tommy all right he he create he built the thing that was able to make him become an adult again when they were trying to de-age people. But then also like in Zeo, how much of their stuff did he build? He went on to essentially become a Zordon type person, you know? Yeah. So like, and that is even like echoed in the comics where he is. And what, I think maybe they like Terra venture lady, like, right. He doesn't, he work with her and, and they're on that thing. It's not called Terra venture, but it is Terra venture. Like it becomes it. Um, I'd have to look at it again, but I'm I'm just thinking of like how much he is like hands on with like the Zord building things and like mm-hmm. kind of getting his hands dirty, like becoming essentially a grease monkey to like this kind of like 
Zord building stuff and kind of like understanding the inner workings of this and how it interacts with the Morphin Grid and like all this other stuff. Um, and well, he's he isn't he the one he's with Tommy in the uh alternate dimension where Dracon is right? Like it's oh, yeah, he actually because it was Billy who got brainwashed and brought the dragon dagger, I think. Mm. He brings something from the command center in the comic book. He like brings it and and he has a lot of issues because he was the one who did it. I don't remember that. I am pretty sure it was him who brings it. because I have a feeling of I have a feeling of a still of him holding the the dragon dagger up. I mean, you might be right. I again, it's been a while since Shadow Grid came out, which is shocking to say. But like the the fact that like they brought over a character like Tommy the green ranger who is like this prominent icon. And then they brought Billy and Billy is kind of the, the one that they kind of like, yes, Tommy is going through some ish, but Billy is also there. And like, they also deal with Billy's parents. Like the other characters are like having to communicate to Billy's parents to be like, yeah, you know, Billy's lost. Like, yeah, he's in the, the destruction of like what happened. And, I, that is one of the aspects of the comics I actually do really enjoy because I've always wondered, like, what happens when these kids are out late? Like, why are the parents never like, hey, what's up? And like, like that coming up in like the uh, what is it? The pink book, uh, the Kimberly graphic yeah. novel. So um, but I don't know, like that's the fact that like you team up those two characters, like I think like and I think that's recognizing those two icons of the Power Ranger franchise, like you have Jason David Frank and you have David Yost and like putting them together in what is your kind of like comic book defining franchise thing well, of Shattered Grid, like your epic. How right? many characters are like directly responsible for creating the actual like iconograph, I, I the iconic piece of thing in power range you know billy is is the person who created the communicators which i would argue is as iconic as the morpher as all this other stuff like but like billy's character is credited with creating that you know Mm -hmm. and like there's not often times in this history of the franchise that it's not just one of those like a mentor just has it you know and like and it's a mentor it's not usually just the person who's just a regular person that makes it you know and that that's kind of the thing also like like we said, the stuff with Zeo, but then also Billy like went on to be on Aquatar and all that stuff. And I, I just feel like Billy is one of those characters who hasn't been celebrated in the franchise necessarily in the way that he should be, you know? Right. But he is definitely one of the best Power Rangers. Okay, so you said that one, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to say another one that I think is really good, and it leads into another one that's on my list too, I think, that you will, I'll, I'll let you say, because you brought it up and I had forgotten it, but... Um, I'm going to say Andros, I think is, is mm-hmm. one of the, one of the deserves a, a place in the, uh, the best power Rangers. Pantheon. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, think, I, I just think about his introduction. So like these four Rangers have like, for God knows whatever reason, gotten on the, uh, that spaceship from NASA they've stolen Nasada. Um, and, you know, I get it. was the goal and try, try and find Zordon, you know, and they basically are in his, this guy's ship. The, like Andros is a ranger of one who has lost the only other ranger. Essentially, he thinks his only other ranger he's ever worked with, who was his best friend, he thinks is dead in an ice cube in his like closet. And he has been out in space, like fighting, not like 
just one villain. He's fighting the armada of the history of Power Rangers that we know at that point. And then we see later he can. Well, and we see later he continues to do that. So Andros is one of those people where like, you know, all of those, like I think about the crossover episode in like, I think it's to the 10th power in lost galaxy. And, they all all like TJ, Cassie, Carlos and Ashley come back and they grab their morphers like Andros had his morpher. It wasn't in a vault. It wasn't somewhere else like he's. And then in the 10 year anniversary, he's still there doing the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I imagine Andros is literally still out on the Astro Mega Ship Mark II somewhere doing his thing, you know, doing what he does. Like, yes. Was he a jerk? For sure. Did he learn some stuff? Yes. But I always think like he deserves a special place because he was this one like connective tissue that kind of moved the franchise into this new place. And he took these Rangers in and they did this amazing thing together. He's very much like a Batman type character who like this. Yeah, I could see lone, that. Lone Ranger who then uh, decides to get four other Robins. Is t- uh, No, I'd argue TJ is Nightwing. Um, I mean, like he he creates his bat family, right? Yeah. So like he's got a Nightwing, a Batgirl, uh, a red uh, a red hood, and then a, another Robin, um, and then another little Robin who's his son, um, who's Carlos. But <laughs> Carlos is his baby. Uh, so like I and I have I have Andros on here too because like he's he's a loner, and then he kind of like essentially is taking care of this team because he's like, no, you idiots, do it like this, like that's how he starts. And then like, that's what you're kind of like saying, like he starts off as kind of like this very rough surface level thing. And then you find out as the season progresses, why he is that way. Right. Like he creates this barrier because he's like, well, the, the people that I care about are either, uh, an ice cube or evil. My my sister that was stolen for, no, he doesn't even know it's it. He doesn't know at that point. He just knows like, oh, well, my sister was basically taken and she's left for dead mm-hmm. as a child. And then my best friend later in our teenage years was killed or, or is in a co- an unrecoverable is, coma. Is this not the f- kind of like most prominent version of a ranger doing things for very, very personal reasons? Yeah, actually, you know, that's a really good point. He is the first ranger where you're just like. He's literally like, think about it too. There's no mentor in that season. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few seasons. I mean, there, there isn't one in lost galaxy either. Right. Um, like in space and lost galaxy are two of the seasons that really don't have a mentor. Right. You know, um, I mean, I guess time, I mean, they're force. not, they're time not force like, really, really like high school students. So maybe they don't need like a mentor in that sense, but like, Andros becomes like a, a de facto mentor, but also he's he is kind of well. This he needs mentoring as well. Yeah. Um, I mean he he's got his own issues and stuff like that. But he basically, you're right. Like he took his personal stuff where he's like, "Well, my sister's gone." And this thing, and he's like, "Well, what can I do but defend my people that are under attack?" Yeah, and I I mean I I feel like they were super successful with this. He, like, he, we we talk. Oh, okay, about wait, how, wait, wait. You know what I just realized? He is. He's Zordon's secret family. <laughs> like wait. when you're like, wait, Zordon was going on all those really long work trips all the time. And really he had a second family. Zordon went out for some cigarettes. I'm like <laughs> supernatural. They have that. There, there isn't just Sam and Dean. There's that third brother. And that, like, I feel like Andros is the third brother to the Sam and Dean. 
Oh, sad. Because he died. Oh, so sad. <laughs> um, suppose for Supernatural, I guess. Uh, that was at season. That was ten years ago. That was season five of Supernatural. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting when you signed up for this Power Ranger podcast. Anyway, uh, multifaceted. So, uh, also. Andros is one of the he's the first Red Ranger to deal with the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, the only well, the nope, first not only. true, not true. What? Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you are correct. Uh, but he is the first to deal with the Power Rangers Or no, sorry. He's the first to deal with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think the the fighting for personal reasons is the biggest thing. Like, he's he's very much like the the like fighting for Martha Power Ranger um, equivalent of like the Batman sort of thing, which then leads into my Ranger. Uh, mm-hmm. I had both on here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're okay with this, uh, Corone, who some listeners might be more familiar with as Astronomer. God, spoiler spoiler I, I do agree. I do think that uh, you, when you said Corona, I was like, I can't believe that Corona was not on my list because, or like I forgot for whatever reason. I was thinking Kendrick's when I was thinking of my list because I was like, yeah. well, she sacrifices herself to save Cassie and that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I and I know that was for like reasons backstage, but it is still one of those things where it is it's it's a defining moment but i don't necessarily know like up to that point like ranger wise exactly it was a great moment in that in that series but i don't know that you know how much of that is story arc versus like they needed an out but i mean it worked beautifully and i highly respect how they did and i and i love that she she was able to overcome that sort of issue and everything um the issue the illness and stuff and um but like Corone having Corone come back because I know originally uh, the plan was to have Cassie take over and then really? the the yeah the I think I, I had read online that the, the talks with Patricia J. Lee had like fallen through and so they were like okay well what can we do and somebody was like well why don't we ask Melody Perkins and I was like oh my god not to be rude because I, I do love Patricia J. Lee like I love Cassie um, but having Corone come back and the story arc that that completes is phenomenal. Like having it come out of the crossover with it being ignited by the psycho Rangers, having it be a thing where she fights, she literally fights astronomer in order to become the person she's going to become. Like there's so many things that I would like. It's just like, I think about that scene where she's holding the quasar saber by the, the blade. Like, come on, how amazing it. She's leaning off a cliff. She's grabbed the blade of a saber to hold on. But so she doesn't die while she's fighting literally herself. Right. Okay. And then her, her evil self kicks her off a cliff. So good. And it's like Rangers. It's, it's just, it's one of those where, it's just it like the, it, the full circle of it is probably some of it, 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 it. It's some of the best storytelling that has come out of Power Rangers in some of the best ways too. It's like beautiful because it's so unique, but it's so it's so perfect for its season. But it's so perfect about 
what the Power Rangers can be to somebody, which is this kind of redemption story. You know, that like it doesn't matter. It, you know, it ties into the whole thing where I say, like, I think Eric is actually one of the best Power Rangers, you know, because he was, it, he was a, a runner up on mine for sure. Well, I definitely think he deserves a place on the list because one of my things about him is that I, you know, and I didn't want to be like, oh, multiple from one season. But what I love about Eric is the dichotomy between him and and uh, not Andros. I'm sorry. Wes is like Wes had everything and he was the rich kid and basically did get this more for handed to him because of his DNA. So it was like because <laughs> of his status, you know, I and then like Eric finds the morpher and gets it. And like the Rangers trying to take it from him is the same as like everybody, his whole life is trying to take everything from him because he is a representation of like lower class. And it is just literally, I think time force right now, I think time force is even more relevant than it was in 2001. Unfortunately, but also fortunately. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he was on my list like as a runner up and it's, it's for that very reason. Like this idea of like, well, his, his arc of like being so against Wesp who has everything kind of handed to him and kind of his commentary on like, you have everything handed to you and you don't, you take it for granted. Not you don't take it for granted. He does take it for granted. Um, and to have him be this character who is like, you know, I had to fight for everything like tooth and nail, all this other stuff. And, to have the better suit, like he earned the better suit, I feel. Let's yeah, no. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I love that moment too, where like Eric can't do it, and he basically has to be like, "I can't do it anymore," you know. And and it's just one of those I, I, that moment between the two of them, where Wes says, "We are Power Rangers, and that is what we have in common." And like we, you know, and I, I that part of the show always resonated with me because it was that whole you know this is long before christopher nolan's batman about being the whole thing was that anybody could be batman Mm -hmm. and i love that message though is that any and i think you know billy cranston tying it back into a ranger we talked about before was the first like kind of real example of like anybody can be a power ranger and that really kind of nailed that home socioeconomically and time for us but not not you know beyond that too but it's just like it doesn't matter who or what or where you come from. You can always rise above whatever the adversity is in life to become a superhero. You know, and that I think that in essence is what Power Rangers is to people or is period. I, I don't know that everyone who runs the show always sees it that way, but that's right. that's what I, I that's that's what I take it as. That's that's kind of like the negative aspect of it is like they don't necessarily recognize like the, the kind of like toys they have in their play box, like their toy box to, to that extent. Um, and to have it be like, we've, we've talked about Rangers who have like kind of broken out of um, kind of like social status in high school. Right. We've talked about like people who've come out of tragedy and then you have people who are like fighting things for like personal reasons. And then you have characters who are like, have some sort of redemption arc. And then the socioeconomic thing is like, this is ostensibly a children's show, right? And it mm-hmm. works on so many levels to to have these characters that they're that at the time the writers were not afraid to portray and kind of like have a, as established characters. Um, and I think that's kind of like what sticks with people. Um, it sticks with me, like to to kind of like have these characters, like 
the fact that like so many of the characters that are on my list were on your list. Um, and the fact that like so many of the talking points for like even Eric are so closely aligned is immense, right? To, to mm-hmm. speak to it, like it speaks volumes to the kind of like way these characters were written, the things that these shows were talking about, even 2001 for like, what was a, a show that was targeted at like young adolescent boys for the most part like yes girls would watch the show but like their target demographic who they were selling toys to and all this other stuff were were primarily like these young boys and so the fact that they weren't afraid to to kind of do these things is is uh pretty astounding no i yeah i i completely agree um, well, let's, uh, move on and, uh, I'm going to let you tell me about another one of your Rangers in your list. Okay. So in the last episode, if you following, uh, we are uh, talking about this, uh, series that we do, which we are, uh, I don't know if Rhino, if you're aware of this, we are the longest running podcast. On the <laughs> I, I remember that from two episodes ago. Uh, so, but in the last episode, uh, which also signified us as the longest running. Um, but now, uh, we've replaced Zach but we replace Zach with Adam, right? Adam uh, is, he came in as the uh, Macedon, like Black Power Ranger. Um, he was a kind of replacement character for that. And I up, up, well, I was upset at first, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy is not, not Walter Jones. But um, he came in, he was great. Uh, and then he was like, apparently, like immediately they went from coming into the show for a very short amount of time and then going immediately into filming the movie. Right. So he was thrown into filming the movie. Uh, there is one line from the movie film for theater viewing that sticks with me for very different reasons than I think it sticks with most people who are fans of this, where uh, Dosia is like, Adam, what's wrong? And he goes. I'm a fr- I'm the frog. Uh, well, um, also, I love that that was like his line. Yes, he he wrote. You know, he was like, "Hey, I I think we should like this should be a joke, right?" And it's it's so like it. There's multiple things that I want to talk about about this one st- very what could have been stupid line, right? Um, his delivery is amazing. Like, could you imagine if you're on a Power Ranger team and everybody's like a wolf, a bear, a gorilla? And you're just like, I'm a frog. Like, what would your reaction be? It would be, <laughs> I'm a frog. And like, you have Delcia being like, yes, you're a frog. You're this and you're this and you're this. And like talking about kind of like lore and kind of like parables and things like that. And all of these things that she mentions are, are like, they do speak to Adam as a character and, um, and they do kind of resonate later on for what he, he kind of like is able to be- become, as a consistent ranger. Um, and it seems like such a real moment, like just the, his delivery alone is just such a real moment. And because it's a line where he's like, I'm going to say this because this should be a joke, but like it's, it's so well done. Mm-hmm. But, and it speaks to like a ranger attitude. I feel like, because they are still teenagers up to this point. Um, personally, at that point, seeing it with my father uh, as a little child, uh, seeing it and seeing my favorite ranger 
Like, because even at that point, I was like, Walter Jones, like Black Ranger, like I'm seeing my Black Ranger character, like even though it's it's not Walter Jones, it's not Zach. I'm seeing Adam, whatever. Uh, I'm seeing the movie and then he's like a frog and I'm like, this is the worst. Now, (laughs) I grew up uh, with multiple siblings, older brothers. I'm afraid of frogs. Um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm what? Afraid of, so what? Like, I I have I have a uh growing up I had two very distinct fears based on how my siblings treated me. Um one was dolls because child's play uh which I love now, but child's play and my mom collected antique dolls and my brothers would chase me around with these antique dolls with the the glass eyes that followed you around the room, right? That seems more reasonable, but also the frog thing frogs and toads i'm 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 afraid of um which living in in where we live you and i uh is bad news yeah um they'll pop out of anywhere you go <laughs> like sometimes like when you move into the state that you're in and they're just hanging out on your car and you're like what do i do bushes will be rattling no matter where you go and you're like huh? what was that <laughs> like this uh-huh. is not the beginning of my horror movie um so when i was very little uh, very chubby child and my brother uh one of them was like he was 10 years older so he was like always trying to do things to to instigate some sort of like reaction for me he was like open your mouth and close your eyes i could be surprised and i was like very oh, God, fat no, little kid hang on no. i'm a very fat little kid so i was like this is gonna be candy it's gonna be uh, delicious it's not candy um he put a frog in my mouth Right. And it's crawling down the back of my throat. And like, I'm so little and chubby and like, I don't know what to do to get the frog out of my mouth. And the frog is alarmed because he's in a mouth and he doesn't know what to do. So we're all in a very, it's a conundrum where we're at. Um, Long story short, I did not eat the frog, but to that, to that point, I am, I've, I've been afraid of frogs. Right. Um, and it's it's one of those things where I recognize it as a fear where I'm just like, this is so stupid. Like, they're not going to do anything. Um, but it's I just avoid them. OK, my favorite ranger in Power Rangers, who is the the uh, iconography for this ranger is a mastodon. It is an elephant with tusks and hairy, the potentially por- polar opposite of a frog. Right. I see this movie and he's like a frog ranger. And I'm just like, what do I do? What do I do? And then Adam's reaction, Johnny and Pasha's reaction. I'm a frog. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, what? His reaction is the same reaction I would have had because I would have been so upset. And I was upset in that moment, seeing that with my father and he laughed. My father knew he knows I'm afraid of frogs. So like when he saw the fro- like you see the coins kind of like the, the kind of like, yeah, um, they're on the chest, like chest yeah. thing. And he goes, Oh no. <laughs> Cause up to this point, he's had to buy me black power Rangers up to this point. He sees a black power ranger, get a frog thing. And he goes, Oh, <laughs> so, uh, that's one of those things that kind of like sticks with me and kind of like the idea that like my favorite ranger then also becomes my greatest fear. <laughs> and he has a stupid, terrible looking CGI Zord that is a frog that is. Whatever. Oh, my God. It's fine. 
yeah, on the that, show, I don't even, on the show, the like tongue would come out, little mini frogs would come out. I'd yeah, like, what like, the hell? That I don't even care. Movie. Like, it's it's one of those things. Like, it's it's an impractical fear where I'm just like, I just avoid them. I'm not even like, I'll just avoid them. Like, they'll land on my shirt sometimes while I'm running, and I'm just like, what is happening? What? what? Um, <laughs> it's you would think this wouldn't happen to someone who's afraid of frogs, but don't run uh, under trees. Uh, don't I run under help. the trees. Um, but. So like this, this is all like such a long description of like why he shouldn't be my favorite ranger. It is but very I'm, long. I'm speaking to why he still sticks consistently as my favorite ranger. There's this moment. There's this thing that should have him be at the polar opposite of what I accept and what I appreciate. And I still love it. And um, the the fact that he is he is the kind of like dichotomy of this um, legacy ranger as someone who left before uh, some of these other people, but also comes back and comes back in potentially more meaningful ways. Uh, so yes, we know Tommy, like Tommy comes back and he comes back again and he comes back again. Um, but Adam comes back and he comes back in uh, the always a chance. And I think that's a little bit more, profound and we've spoken of this before but like a little Mm -hmm. bit more profound than the once a ranger thing um because like he's doing it and it's almost sacrificial like it's this thing where you get this like he in once a ranger there's there's not really stakes it's like he's coming back because they're like oh we we knew somebody needed help and i put together this group and we're here to help right and it's yeah. that's almost yeah. like a continuation, right? So like, yeah, exactly. And and always a chance. Like he's there and he's helping Carlos. Carlos is afraid. Like he he um he messed up and like Adam's there and he's like, you still have to do this. Like it's like to do this is a great thing. Like to have this opportunity, to have this ability, to have these powers. And he's like, I do miss it, right? And then like to save Carlos, he morphs even though he has this broken morpher. And it's this busted morpher and he's like, there's a risk to me, but it will help someone else. So I will still do this because I know it's the right thing to do. I know Alpha even says it. You could you could be destroyed, you know? Yeah. And so like he does it in that aspect. And like that's kind of one of those kind of like amazing moments for Adam and for for Rangers in general. Like um, but then like to then again, like we're repeating, but like see that come up again. And once a ranger where he's, he is somehow figured out the math, done the the due diligence, figured out what he needs to do. He's like, I miss this so much. I fixed it. Like he fixes his morpher to the point where like he can be the black ranger again and do it well and potentially be this like leader of this black ops team. Right. Um, so good it's like no it yeah i agree i i i understand it i understand it it's like one of it's another one of those characters where he's he's been kind of the you know like i don't know how to describe it like quiet mm-hmm. ranger who's been kind of around but then he like he pops back up and you're like you know, I love his appearance in the 15 year anniversary. And it's I mean, like, I, I want to see more of that sort of stuff. I want to see more Rangers celebrated that way. And he, he fits that like personality too. Like I, in high school, I was like very like quiet individual. Like I would draw pictures and things like that. And people would know me as like this kind of like sarcastic, quiet kid who drew all the stuff. And like Adam has that very like 
quiet personality who would be like he would say things and like there would be some sort of like emphasis or like importance or significance of the things he was saying right um and it i i don't know how much of that like speaks to like the writers or like how much of that speaks to johnny and bosch because like in following him years later like you and i were talking about the fact like he's become like this kind of like prolific voice actor in anime um in general like uh you were talking about akira Mm-hmm. Um, he's just recently like finished some stuff on Digimon, uh, like in the movies and stuff. Well, in film school, they showed us Akira for one of my classes, and I was like, he started talking right away. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was like, the film? Why is no one reacting the way I am? This is Johnny Young Bosch. He's the Black Power Ranger. Hang on, he's gonna say he's a frog, also. And then they're like, oh yeah, and I was like. Yeah. Oh, you mean? Oh, yeah. You're so <laughs> casual about it, you idiots. I just imagine you crossing your arms. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We're in film school. It's this cool. idiot over here is saying, "Oh, yeah." Oh, she yeah. Oh, she's over here. Um, but also, like in the Digimon stuff, like finding out, like when he was, and I, I don't know, like he was kidnapped when he was younger. Like, but yeah, that, tell me this stuff. So. On the one of the Digimon try like movie, uh, I don't care about Digimon to be honest. I know, I know, I know, I know you do, but so like, uh, one of our mutual friends, like, we're we're both into Digimon, like, like the movies more so recently for myself. Um, and there was a special feature about the voice actors and stuff, and he replaced someone, or he's playing an adult version of a character who was a child in the the older series, right? So it makes Mm -hmm. sense why he's playing this character. Mm hmm. Um, but he's talking and one of the people asked a question about like why he got into acting and doing the certain things that he does. And like Power Rangers being one of his first roles, he's like, well, I got into martial arts. Um, and like he talked about and it was like this thing where he didn't previously talk about it. Like in all of the history that I followed of Johnny Young Bosch, like my favorite Ranger up to this point, like all this other stuff had no idea that at some point when he was younger, he was kidnapped and he speaks about it very briefly in this thing where he was like, I was, yeah, I was taken and like that. And then he doesn't talk about how like he was like given back or like any of this other stuff, but he was like, that's kind of like what fueled him getting into like martial arts and stuff like that, which then led into the, the kind of like power ranger stuff. Like he was, he had physicality and ability when he was cast in the role for power rangers, which you know, then leads into like the ADR stuff with like doing the voices and like all that other stuff, which then leads into like very soon after like doing like the Akira stuff um, for like the American dub and like doing other dubs for I think Trigun as uh, another one. Um, so it's like this was like fairly recent. I think within the last like three years, where like I found this out, mm-hmm. um, and it it's it's alarming and fascinating all at the same time and to have like this kind of like crazy story about like what is one of your favorite rangers again because like if i'm going chronologic like not even chronologically but like in order of like who i thought was the most prominent like adam was the first one i put it down right so i'm putting that down as like the most important so like to have this information to come so much later after the fact like he's so far removed from the franchise but it's insane. Well, it's 
It's it's interesting to think like, okay, so some of these actors or some of these characters have literally only been in their one series of Power Rangers, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, yeah. So like Jen is actually a really good example of it. Other than her crossover episode in Lost Galaxy, she's really only in Time Force, you know? And so like for somebody to be like, oh, well, you guys named uh, like like Adam, for example, is in, you know, two seasons of Mighty Morphin and then he's in Zeo and Turbo and whatever. And then he comes back, you know, or Corone being in In Space and then Lost Galaxy. And you're like, yeah, well, but like Jen's a good example where you're like it. They don't have to be really mm-hmm. in all these seasons to mean something. You know, it doesn't all have to be like they come and go. It just it's about the character like journey they take, you know, like, like, yeah, Billy's was probably the longest because it took place over the longest time, but it's like, you know, Jen had that one season arc and that arc was kind of continued into the wild force crossover episode, but it's just two more episodes. So it's like, I I don't know. It's something to think about where I feel like Rangers are just kind of getting the series is getting a little, I, I, I like, I like Beast Morphers, to be honest with you. I like how that's going. Um, I think the slapstick humor, though, is like I, not. I like the two people who are essentially the Balkan Skull in this season, but I feel like their storylines could be better interwoven into the mm-hmm. into the show than they are. Unfortunately, I don't want them to be like the two from Samurai or not Samurai um, Ninja Steel. Um, but it's like, you know. Did Dino Charge have any like comedic sidekick? I don't think it did. Did it? Isn't one of the Rangers more? So- well, there's so many Rangers in that season. Like one of those might have been kind of like the jokey, shticky. Like I don't know. Not every season needs a Bulk and Skull. That's the thing, you know, because nobody is Bulk and Skull except for Bulk and Skull. I think that's the thing we forget. Or Bulk and Skull and Skull's son. I don't even know. I didn't. I didn't really watch a lot of Samurai because I d- didn't like it. Um. <laughs> But uh, do you have any other any other rangers you want? We've we've mentioned we've mentioned Jen, Eric from Time Force. We talked about Adam. We talked about Billy. Talked about Andros and Corone. Andros and Corone. Um, I I do think that Jason as like the original like I do want to say Jason. I don't want to talk too much because like, but I feel like Jason for me always stands out because Jason is one of those rangers where like I always feel like his voice is different when he's at, when he's in the suit, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like when Christian Bale was Batman, the voice was very noticeably different as Batman. And that's what I felt like when I watched, um, Austin St. John as, uh, as Jason Lee Scott and, and mighty more from power Rangers, because I think that Jason is a good leader. Like, I think Jason is a good example of a red Ranger, somebody who is very team oriented, but also when it was too dangerous, like when he tries to go stop, the the green candle from burning down he goes by himself you know and he does whatever he can to to try and you know save his team member you know and and ultimately it's not about the powers it's about saving the team member because that's why he zach has to tell him to leave because they if if he doesn't leave tommy will die you know and it's more important to save tommy's life than it is to save tommy's powers Right. You know, and I and then I also like him as the Gold Ranger and stuff like that. So there is still there is still a place in my heart for like Jason the the Power Ranger more than like the actor. And right. I do think we would be remiss not bringing up Tommy. 
Like just because we didn't mention him doesn't mean he isn't one of the best Rangers. Like even if it it did feel like, you know, later in years, sometimes I feel like it's almost like Jason David Frank can come off a little bit like. I, I get it. The Green Ranger is a lot of people's favorite Power Ranger, you know, mm-hmm. that original storyline. And it's a good storyline. I'm not saying it's not. It was the it's, first evil Power Ranger, you know, it's like an icon thing. Like it's right. It's the easiest one. Like you can have these kind of like primary color Rangers and then like a couple other ones. And then you have this green one who kind of like comes in and kind of like shakes things up a bit. Right. And yeah. then like kind of he also has a shield. So he's like a Ranger, but more. Right. He's got that extra piece of iconography. It, you know, you said it. his shield. He has a dagger. None of them have those, you know, like they all mm-hmm. have weapons, but he has dagger. He's always using it because it controls the Zord, you know, so he's got the shield. He's got the dagger and he's got the dragon sword. You know, it's this other other like Jason Zord is the main Zord. And the Zord is also and he's got his own main Zord. Like it doesn't need. It doesn't need the Megazord. Other things, exactly. It's just as big as the Megazord, you know? And so it's like, it's one of those sort of things where I get it. I get that. And I get also that he became, he overcame this evil background to become this purity, this white light of a person, but then also then going on to become a mentor. And I actually think that Tommy's storyline in Dino Thunder is Tommy's best storyline in his power rangers history i I, well actually i think his soul of the dragon storyline in boom comics is really good too i'm Mm -hmm. not upset about that but i my thing is that it doesn't need to be tommy all the time because you make it too much about being like well tommy is this and it's not that it's saying it's saying that mission impossible only happens because tom cruise tom cruise needs the whole team of people you know, mm-hmm. Ethan Hunt needs the whole team of people to make it the impossible mission. He can't get through the impossible mission without all these other characters, you know, and that's either Simon Pegg or someone to get crushed by an elevator or trap. Right, 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 right. You know, um, Vince, not Vince Vaughn. Good Neil Lord. Of us. <laughs> well, I was talking about, um, um, oh, my God, who's the other guy that was in all the movies? He's been in the most movies besides Simon Pegg. Jimmy Renner. No. no. Oh, 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 Ving Rames. Ving Rames. Ving. It was the V. It was the Vince. And I was thinking Vince Vaughn is Ving Rames. But yeah, <laughs> the Ving Rames character. Very similar. Like, but um, no, but it that's that's kind of the thing is that it, I, I don't it, it's not really about a singular person. It's about all the people. You know, it's how how they work together, because Power Rangers, I think, can be this thing where it's this. You know, the thing I love is not just that it re- it shows a lot of people of different different backgrounds, you know, you know, socially, um, you, you, you know, where they're from um, and all this, you know, different races of people coming together, different people from different backgrounds, all that sort of stuff. It's 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 about it's it's not just that it's them coming together. So it's not just you know, multicolored, you know, suits and all that stuff. It's 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 about how they become this thing and i think you know we spoke about it in the movie episode is that that's one of the things that i feel like the movie hits on you know very aggressively is about how they become one in order mm-hmm. to defeat you know and and that that is that is a very like a backbones thing so i i never want it to be like it's just about tommy because i would 
again, we've said this before. I would love a season where even if it's not all the other Rangers, they do what they did with Tommy and Dino Thunder. The reason why that works so well is because they've only done it with Tommy. Do it with Wes, you know, do it with Jen, do it with Corone, you know, or Andros or, or, or Adam or somebody bring somebody else back and bring them back from more than one episode, bring them back here and there, bring a couple back, you know? Mm hmm. And I think it, I think it's just one of those things where people haven't necessarily been giving all that, that time to shine or, you know, treat the people better behind the scenes, I guess, you know, probably that's, and I mean, like, I feel like that's a, a sentiment that can be coalesced between this episode and the last episode, treat people better. Well, it, it's well, and that's one of the kind of the hard parts too, is because I think power Rangers is kind of considered this like jumping off point and the, like, I don't think that there aren't people out there who want to be a part of it. I think it's just that like it is, I I know that um, some people have said that in order to be on the show, you have to be like, I think like non-union. And so um, the, some people have said like, well, they don't want to give up the union card in order to reprise the thing and stuff like that. So I know that's a big deal. So that, that, that's a big part of it, but that all that could change now with Hasbro. So who knows? So, right. So the future's open. I'd love to see some Rangers come back. But if you out there did not hear one of the best Rangers on this list, we would love to hear what that is. You can send us an email at podcastrangers at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us at Twitter, Instagram, wherever. It's all Podcast Rangers. Just search Podcast Rangers, and it should we should be in there on uh, Twitter, Instagram. And like I said, it's podcastrangers at gmail.com. Send us an email. Leave us comments wherever you can. We'd love to start a dialogue. But th- thank you, Ken, for your list. Thanks. Thank you, me, for my list. Uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess that'll do it for this episode. And we'll see you next time with another episode of Podcast Rangers.